Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Five of our classics series. We've been looking at some of the the classic stories from the Old Testament as, an, as New Testament believers. Um, the, the bulk of what we need for life and godliness is found in the New T- Testament. The teachings of Jesus and, and, and the early church fathers, the Paul and, and all of the epistles. And so, But as we look back to the Old Testament, we see that God had been at work the whole time. Paul didn't go around with a bunch of Old Testament scrolls and made everybody get caught up on everything that had ever happened to the the people of Israel. He just taught Jesus and moved on, and they learned that as they went. So these stories are are there to help us understand how to connect with with God. And so we're leading with this concept that today we're going to look at Joseph. And so the life of Joseph shows us what it means to know God better and trust God. Him more, and we keep coming to this passage of scripture here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There's a race marked out for us, there's a race marked out for you that God's got a plan. For your life. And we hear that and we see it. And sometimes we, we, we see that in other people's lives. We, we got to celebrate today part of the race marked out for the Gomez family. Of being a part and leading our, leading our church and leading this team and through, the, through the area of worship. That that's part of what God has in store for them. So we all got to celebrate that today. And sometimes it can feel like, you know, that, that man, God's, things, God's got God has got things going on in other people's lives and and that can become a snare because we feel like somehow maybe we got skipped over on this deal and so um just recently um we had to well in fact it was last sunday it was last sunday um we were going to the pool party and we were bringing our part of the contribution and the the clark family um has the 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 palette the food palette of kindergartners uh, we we are not sophisticated eaters. We, do, we have no desire to go to Michelin star um, restaurants uh, because I guarantee the chicken strips there are just as good as anywhere else. And that's probably what we're going to order. And so um, we won't get the chef tasting menu. It's not going to happen. And so, we would, uh, one of, so consequently, one of our favorite places is Cane's. We go to Cane's on a regular basis. In fact, yeah, you at some point will see my children's face on the Caniac wall. That one day they stopped them and said, please let us take your picture and we're going to put you on the wall. That's how much my family likes Canes. And so we are like, hey, let's take Canes to, um, to the pool party. So the only thing you can call in is when you, to Canes is a bigger order. They serve one thing. It's chicken strips. You know, I mean, they're cooking it all the time. It's fresh, but they, know, they just want to know how many of them you want. So I called in and had one of the tailgates ready to go, and I had called it in. Well, if you're new to Celebration Church, we have seven children, okay? Uh, We have seven kids, and our last two, the two youngest ones, are named Colin and Preslin, okay? 
So they are with us in the car as, we, as I pull in two canes, drive up to the little window and, and to, the, to the little speaker thing. And, of course, he goes, chicken, 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 what you picking or something like that. And so it would have been better than that, but something along that lines. And uh, so I said, hey, um, I've, got a, I've got a call in order uh, for Clark. And they're like, okay, pull to the second window. So as I'm pulling to the second window, uh, Preslin says, well, what about a Preslin order? Because her sister's name is Colin. And I was like, and so, but I did. I rolled up to the window and said, I've got a call in order for Clark. And so, and she's like, we're going through here and you're just getting chicken for my sister and I'm hungry too. Like, I got to step up and say, what about a pressy order? Come on now, get the, get the little girl some chicken. And I said, pull out. I said, no, sweet pea. I had to call in on the phone the order. It is a call-in order, not a call-in order. And, and, and so we pull up. And um, anyways, and so she was all up in a dander. She was, she was so upset that she was not getting any food. Her sister was getting all the blessings. Dad was taking care of sister, and the other one got kicked to the curb, and she was going to do that. And sometimes, folks, um, it can feel like that. It can feel like that. We can see our Heavenly Father at work in someone else's life, and we're like, you know, what about a Brandon order over here, Lord? You know, what, a, what about a Daniel order? What about something out here and we we don't realize she didn't realize that whenever I was there that all the chicken she could ever want to eat was included in that order she didn't realize that there was more chicken than that girl could eat in a week and already taken care of and she in her misunderstanding she thought that she was being left out when really she was included more than she could ever even wrap her mind around She'd be, it was an overwhelming amount of provision that was being provided for her. But because of her misunderstanding, all of a sudden she stepped into a place of offense and thought that there was lack when there was none. When it was really Papa God, Papa Daddy was at work taking care of everything. And our Heavenly Father is at work in your life all the time, whether you see it or not. In so many places, we misunderstand and we see the favor of God at work over here and say, well, he obviously cares about them, but what about me? And so what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at the life of Joseph. And Joseph has lots of opportunities to get offended and thinking that God had forgotten about him. He's got lots of opportunities to see that, man, something went off the rails here. And Joseph holds on to the promise, he holds on to the dream the whole time, the whole time. So we look to Joseph when life isn't turning out the way you planned. And with that, don't give up on your dreams. When life doesn't turn out the way you planned, don't give up. Don't give up on your dreams. We're going to look here in Genesis chapter 37. And Genesis has a huge amount of narrative about Joseph, a lot of story of the details and whatnot. It'll just drop names of people who lived entire lives. And then here in, with Joseph, we get a lot of story about Joseph. And we pick up with Joseph in Genesis chapter 37. And in verse 5, um, we see um, that Joseph had a dream. 
And this is not Mary and Joseph. If you're new to the scriptures, you may think, be thinking of the nativity Joseph. No, that's a different Joseph. This is Joseph um, well before Israel fully becomes a nation, Joseph. And so, and, and so jo- here's Joseph, and he had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Now, here's the reason for the all the more is Joseph was favored. Daddy should not have played favorites. He shouldn't. He shouldn't have played favorites. At this point, there was 11 boys. He shouldn't have played favorites, but Joseph was favored. He, Dad just treated him better, and so they hated him. But then Joseph had a dream, and he shared it with his brothers, and they hated him all the more. And he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field. And when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now all of these brothers are all older than him. He's little snot-nosed little brother. And, and so and they're like, seriously? Seriously, we're going to bow down to you? In this old school patriarchal system, the oldest son, he rules the house. And here's the little youngest one saying, we're going to bow down to you. Man, we're about to whoop the tar out of you. You need to shut up. You need to shut up, little brother. And in fact, that was their their response. It was was a little more brutal than that. In verse 19, we catch up to here. It says that he gets sent to check on the brothers to make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Daddy sends him as a spy. And in verse 19, he says, here comes, they say, here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. And then we'll see what comes of his dreams. These guys were majorly offended at him. So here, here Joseph is enjoying, he's the, he's the baby boy and shouldn't be having the kind of favor that he has. But, but dad loves him and, and, and has favor on him. And, and Joseph takes care of business, which is why dad favored him. Dad had a... Had a, had a um, agricultural business to run. He had, he had a bunch of sheep that needed to be dealt with. Joseph took care of business. He appreciated that. Joseph got his favor because he took care of business. And so here it is. There's this place where then all of a sudden it, there's this offense that comes in. And they want to kill him. And so here we need to look at that we, we don't want to give up on our dreams even if we don't start out so well. Sometimes we have a dream in our heart and we begin to step out into it and it doesn't go well. We're like, whoop, I, I guess, I guess that shouldn't, that shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't have done that. Like, obviously, that's not what I'm called to do. Um, just a place of, of hating failure. I know nobody likes failure, um, but I've just had battled a fear of failure and I've just hated failure my whole life. And if I could do something and do it where that, was, that was pretty solid, then I would do it. But if I didn't think I could be good or, or one of the better people at it, I just didn't want anything to do with it. And even as a little boy, when my parents were working with me on saying things that um, they would say, okay, say cat, cat, you know, say, you know, dog, dog, There's all of these different things. Say Brandon. And I just, I wouldn't say my name. And so they would go into other words. I wouldn't say my name. And finally, when I said my name, I said, Brandon. And in my mind, I knew I couldn't say it. 
And then I would do it. My parents said they would work with me, and I just wouldn't say it because I wouldn't say it right. And so I, and so I would just not say it. And finally, they got it me to, to, to say the word. And it was just this thing that comes in that just if we can't do it well, just I'm just not even going to do it. I'm just not even going to do it at all. And it began to, that thing began to affect a lot of my life. I'm not athletic. I've shared with you all that before. I'm, the, the eye-hand coordination thing is not my thing. And so, you know, as a kid, you know, sports, you know, playing pickup games around the, the neighborhood, um, I, I wasn't good. You know, go out for the pass and I would bobble it or, or have to be the quarterback and it is not going to go where I wanted it to go. And so it was just a, a rough deal. You know, playing basketball, you know, couldn't shoot. Still haven't figured out. I'm 45 years old. I still don't know how to make a layup. And so the whole coming off of the knee, I still don't understand that whole thing. And so, and, um, but anyways, so I wouldn't play. Well, finally, about my senior year in high school, some, some buddies of mine who could shoot, and I was taller, they would like to play three-on-three pickup games. You're like, Clark, just come out here. All you got to do is just rebound the ball and get it back over to us. And I'm like, I'm terrible at this. Oh, just come play with us. Well, it turned out I was decent at that. I could get in. I could elbow around and push around, rebound the ball, and kick it out. We would play. I would hardly ever shoot. Even when I was under the basket, it was terrible and sad. And so I had no touch. I'd just slam it off the backboard. It was just so ugly. So I'd just get it and kick it out. But I, I didn't realize that I had something to contribute because I couldn't contribute the way I wanted to contribute. And, and so, so many different things. Within well, now God calls me into ministry. And so my pastor is training me. And he told me, don't ever pass up an opportunity to preach unless the Holy Spirit tells you to. That if somebody gives you an opportunity to share the gospel, to preach, says, then you, you say yes unless the Holy Spirit says no. Otherwise, it's a green light. So I got the opportunity to go and preach. And the, the youth pastor there at our church said, I would like for you to come and share your testimony. Sure, we'll come share our testimony. On the way there. Uh, Cutie and I are like, we do not want to do youth ministry. We had just been youths ourselves. I was 20 years old. She was 19. I mean, we're, we're young, young, young. And so we go over there, and I've prepared my message, and I'm sitting there, and I think B.W. Boyce was probably there that day. And so and I'm sitting there sharing my, my, my heart, and nobody is listening to me. It is not going well um, people are, it's not like all of a sudden the heavens opened up and people are like, yes, I see the grace of God. It's so good. And young people are impacted. The, there's, there's a group of girls who are actively trying to pick a fight with my wife as she is sitting there on the front row. She's 19 and barely saved. She was going to cut somebody. It was going to happen. It was just, I'm sitting there like, what's going to happen? I'm preaching. I'm trying to watch her. She about to throw hands. It was about to get ugly. And so, um, and so it was, we were, we were, it was not a great experience. It was not an amazing experience. It did not feel like, man, this is what I'm called to do. It was like, you're terrible at this. You need to move along. And, um, but in the middle of that, God's like, this is what, this is what I want you to do. 
this is what I want you to do. And then I spent the next eight and a half years of my life in youth ministry and, and loved it and, and enjoyed it and found that as I went on, man, okay, maybe I can do this. And, but the first experience was, was horrible. It was terrible. So, so don't give up on your dreams, even if it doesn't start out quite the way you want it to go. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.12 says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Don't you dare disqualify yourself from anything. God can call you to whatever he wants to call you to. He can call you to whatever he wants to. Don't look at your history, your past, whatever, and say, okay, well, I'm obviously am relegated to just doing some of these little lowly things over here. I'm telling you, you just take the lid off and you let God do with your life what he wants to do with your life. He can carry you wherever he wants to carry you. And so you just got to be willing to take the step and to move forward. You also don't give up on your dreams, even if those closest to you don't support you. And I'm telling you, sometimes that is the toughest thing to deal with is when those closest to you don't support you. <clears throat> Mark um, chapter 6, verse 3, here Jesus himself dealt with this. It says, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Like, we know his brothers. Aren't his sisters here among us? And they all took offense at him. Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. Sometimes, sometimes the people closest to you are so close, they can't see the bigness of God in you. Sometimes you need somebody that's got a little bit of distance, be able to have a little bit of horizon to be able to see the bigness of God in you. Don't let the people who are closest to you begin to nullify the bigness that God has in you. Don't let it do it. You, God begins to move in you. You begin to just trust that. You begin to do that. The next thing is, is don't give up on your dreams even if your journey is full of surprises. Because guess what? It is going to be. It is going to be. I don't know anybody who's lived a straight line Kansas highway kind of life. You look on a Kansas map, and it looks like somebody drew those with a ruler. Guess what? You get on the Kansas highway, that's what it looks like. It just goes and goes and goes a little bit up and down, but it's just like it, nobody's life is a Kansas highway. Everybody's life is the hill country of Texas. Everybody is up and down, twists and turns, back and forth. That's the way it goes. And we look at Joseph's life and his life was a roller coaster. A couple of years ago, we did a series here on the life of Joseph called Roller Coaster because it was so up and down. It'll be full of surprises. So it starts out on a pretty good high. He is, he's loved and he's honored by his father. But then he's misunderstood by his family. Then he's sold into slavery. Oh, that's really terrible. And then he's living in a strange country far from home. More and more drops. It's the big drop. It's the one that takes your gut away. It's the one you say, I'm not getting on that ride. It's the, the big one. But then, whoosh, he's given favor in Potiphar's house. 
favor comes back. Things begin to look good. I'm a slave, but I'm a, I'm a slave with favor, and, and I think I can kind of make it through this. Then he's falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. She accuses him of, of trying to, to, to rape her when she was the one trying to seduce him. And he was a man of integrity. He's like, I cannot sin against my, my master and my God and, and ends up being thrown into prison. Now he goes from being a slave, now he's thrown into prison and it's dropped down there. Then he's put in charge of all of the prisoners. All of a sudden, he's so faithful and he's such a man of integrity that the jailers are like, you're going to do a better job at running this jail than us. Um, I'll get my salary. You take care of business. And that's how it went. And he ran the place, not from being a thug, not from being the the, the boss in jail, but because he was a guy who had integrity and and took care of things. And so it comes up a little bit again. And then he's forgotten by the cupbearer. He speaks life into a guy and, and helps him understand a dream. And then he remains forgotten there in the prison for two more years. Then he gets called in to talk to Pharaoh and he interprets Pharaoh's dream, the most powerful man on the planet at that time, and then becomes second in command in Egypt. He becomes the prime minister of Egypt, of the world's most powerful nation at that time. He becomes the prime minister. And then eventually, because of a famine and God giving him wisdom, his brothers, his family stand before him and they don't know who he is. They don't recognize him. They thought he was long gone. They never dreamed their little brother was going to end up being the prime minister of Egypt. And he's in his full uniform and he's in all his stuff and they don't recognize him. And they bow down before him. And he's like, oh my goodness, the dream was legit. And every twist, every turn, every up, every down brought us here. And now he's in a place that he could either use his authority to wreak vengeance on the guys who threw him into slavery or he has the authority to save their lives. And we see, we see that he makes the life-given choice. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. See, don't give up on your dreams even if it takes a long time to realize it. We've seen this in, in multiple of these stories, multiple of the stuff. We talked about Abraham last week. It took a long time. You know what? If you're going to live your full life for God, how long is that going to take? Your whole life. It's going to take your whole life. So why do we get upset that some of it comes in stages and some of it co- takes a little while? It's going to take your whole life. It's not that it's gonna, nothing's going to happen until the very end. But moment by moment, day by day, it's all built by you saying, God, you've got this one. I woke up again this morning. God, you've got this one. Woke up again this morning. Thank you, Lord. God, you've got this one. And that is how a life for God is built. It's just laying each day before him, giving him those moment by moment. Habakkuk 2.3, I love the way the Living Bible puts this. says, these things, I pl- <clears throat> the thing, these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. 
They won't be able to do a single day. Just trust God. Just trust God. Daniel, it's not overdue. A single day. We just trust God. We focus on what happens in you, not what happens to you. Focus on what happens in you, not what happens to you. Romans 8.18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. James 1, 2, and 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. There's stuff happening on the outside, but man, good stuff is happening on the inside, and that is what I care about. The perspective changes everything. And the last thing we want to learn from Joseph today is that your response to offense determines your future. Your response to offense. He could have got offended at being thrown into slavery and said, you know what? Being, taking care of business and serving my dad got me nowhere. Forget it. I'm a slave and I'm just going to eek by. And you know what? He would not have developed in Potiphar's house. He could have stayed offended right there. Then he, he does that, and then the, the, his wife lies about him, and he gets thrown in prison. And he gets another chance to be offended. Forget it. It's not worth it. I know I'm wired to, to take care of business. I know that integrity is a big deal to me, but it obviously isn't a big deal to anybody else. It's not a big deal to anybody else, so forget it. I'm done. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm just going to check out, and I'm just going to get through this life. But he would not do it. He would not be offended over and over and over again. And then there, standing before his brothers, and all of the pain that he had endured, and he has the ability to just have them squashed, have the ability to do that. And he doesn't do that. In fact, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, he has revealed himself to his brothers here this is at the end and papa's died and they think that he is going to to find that he they think he has stayed his hand of vengeance just because dad has been alive and now dad is dead and they think okay he's about to come at it and he lets them know he says you intended to harm me he didn't let him off the hook he doesn't say ah you really didn't mean nothing by it so nope your intent was bad you intended to harm me but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. This place of forgiveness, this place of not walking in a place of offense. I'm telling you, man, it is so important for you to live free of offense, to not get offended at people, to not, to not get upset at people, to let things go. It doesn't mean that you're saying they didn't hurt you. He didn't say, yep, you, you meant to hurt me. But my God is big enough to turn this thing around. And I'm going to hang on to the bigness of my God to do something cool with this than the fact that you tried to do something hurtful with it. And I'm just going to hold on to it. And that is where our full life is built. If we can do that, man, there is nothing that others or the enemy or this world can throw at us that will get us off God's dream and God's plan for our lives. Our bottom line is this today, is don't give up on God's plan for your life. Don't give up. 
Don't give up. No matter where you find yourself, whatever phase you're in, whether you're on top or on bottom or, or somewhere in between, don't give up. See, God is for us. And so we can run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.